1: What's up? Welcome to episode number
0: 386
1: of On the Corner, of the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Mr. Tout himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing, Bubba? What is
2: happening? Everyone's Bubba now. And by the way, Bubba is part of the PitcherList staff now, if you don't know.
1: Oh, Wonderful I didn't stuff. know
2: that. Yeah, he will be uh, doing the first pitch podcast Monday through Friday in season. I, Congrats, Bubba. We're really excited to have you on the team. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. What a to have get, to see Bubba. Yeah, I know, I know. What Can't a great it. get. So I, uh, so yeah, look forward to that. As you called, Jason, Justin, Mason, Jason Mustin, uh, Jason Bubba Mustin. Yesterday. Everyone's um, Bubba. That's my, that's yeah. my,
1: that's my term of endearment. That's I, I reserve that <laughs> for the people I love <laughs> the most.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, but today we gotta we gotta talk about TAT Wars. Yeah, it was a wonderful time in the city. It really was. Yeah. I, if you can tell, I kind of lost my voice still a little bit. Uh, meeting everybody and hanging out for the entire
1: weekend but I had a draft a 15 teamer not a twelve fast I had a mm.
2: fifteen teamer auction now
1: is was this a was this a change? I feel like la- weren't you in a different were you yeah. in a different league last year you were in the twelve I was ahead. So
2: what happened is I had uh, my basketball schedule, I coach basketball, I've done it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They uh, they started a week later this year, which meant that oh. the finals, the theoretical finals would have happened on Sunday this past week. Um, and so I got ahead of it, messaged Jeff Erickson saying, look, like, as you know, that I I can't be in a situation where I have my finals or tout. So let's just put me in the Saturday. If you can, we made the finals, we did it and my kids couldn't show up. So I had to reschedule it. No (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They're all on spring break. So I, even though we made the finals, we didn't play it on Sunday. So I could have been in the 12 mixed. Um, (laughs) and next year I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I really enjoyed doing this draft. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. talk, I'm going to talk all about it. Um, but there's something about being in that 12 team mix. I mean, against Errol Cohen, Frank Stanfield, Michael Govier, Paul Spohr. Uh, so many good people Alex. were in that one. Lauren Auerbach. Um, it was really fun, too. Alex Champlain's in the 15 actually with me, which was really nice. Oh, oh, um, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah but I, uh, but yeah, I want to I want to jump back into that one. It's also more my wheelhouse with 12 teamers and everything like that. But uh, I mean, I didn't feel like a fish out of water here. This was I think be, I've been I think I was more prepared for this draft than I have been for a long time. Um, and I want to uh, I'll, I'll go into all the details as to how. Um, but this was a lot of fun. And uh, I might find myself saying, you know what? I'll just stick in the 15th next year. We'll see what happens.
1: There's there's a lot of you know like you said this is a little bit new so there's going to be a lot of different strategy that we want to talk about but to begin with it's a 15 teamer but it's standard five by five correct there's is there anything it different? is OBP um, oh, which whoa. is a little annoying honestly what? because oh my. no it's it, no no
2: it's annoying because of how I uh, how I prepare especially for an auction is to get market values hmm. and to get market values for just an OBP five by five are harder to do. So I had to do a whole process of essentially taking my projections and doing a multiplier for uh for market values of five by five, but then adjusting based on projections of what shifts of like this guy is worth X amount more in an OVP, thus the market value should be X amount more. Mm. Um, which isn't which isn't clean and not fun, but I uh, but yeah, I
1: made it work. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also difficult to be, are you, so you're not in, uh, this league is not with Ariel Cohen, right? That was the other, league, right? The yeah. League. You So do have the relief of, of not having so to it go was, against okay. market values. All right. This is
2: a good transition. We're doing this. Ariel Cohen. If you guys have not fo- followed this for the past couple of weeks, I saw the light in labor, mm-hmm. right? I, I had my labor draft and, um, literally two hours before it was 11 AM, Ariel Cohen had his auction value presentation. Like how to, how to prepare for your auction drafts and the strategies you should have inside of it. And my mind was blown. Um, I mean, I just, it, it just, I saw the light of all the things I was doing wrong. And I, I understood, as someone who loves games so much, I understood the game theory that he was expressing. It just makes all the sense. And I, I was hating myself for not really grasping it as much um, beforehand. I'm sure you were trying to say it ages before to me. But, um, but now I got to show you the light a little bit here. So sure. I am very much in the Ariel Cohen school of thought now, mm-hmm. and what was so funny is that he finished his presentation at twelve, and our hour draft against Ariel Cohen was in one hour. And I was like, "This isn't mm-hmm. fair." <laughs> I, I'm so I know how naive I am now, and you're giving me one hour. So, um, so even during that draft, it was really fun and labor to just kind of sit near Ariel and be like, as I'm going through, like, how am I doing, you know? And uh, if I'm going to do a World Series of Poker reference here, I feel like Jamie Gold. With Johnny Mm -hmm. Chan coaching me on. Uh, Where I I am very lucky to have Ariel take me under his wing a little bit and really talk about like, what am I doing right? How can I Mm -hmm. get better at this? So going into Tout, uh, the main thing that he really leaned in for me was like, look, Nick, you got to do your work to get market values. And what that means is not like whip up a projection system and say, cool, these are your values. That's different. And I'm actually using... Um, for this one, is the PL plus ATC. So PLV projections mm-hmm. for hitters. Cause I actually think PLV applies better for projections to hitters than it does pitchers. Um, just because it's more about their skill set showcasing, like based on what you saw, as opposed to pitchers, which we know location can be less sticky. Um, but there it's like, hey, are you, you know, are you getting better at handling pitches and, and whatnot? Um, So using that for hitters and then for pitchers, you essentially using the list um, and Rick Graham's as well. And so I essentially create my dollar values based on that. And I use the list by saying, cool, this is what five by five market values are. And then slapping mine in the order of the ADP, but mine instead of ADPs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the importance of getting market values is saying, look, before the draft, I should have an expectation of how much a player should go for. I should know that the market in general is going to spend $35 on, I don't know, uh, Juan Soto in this league or something like that. I'm just throwing something randomly out. It shouldn't be. It should be higher because it's OBP. And then I look at my projections and I say, well, that is $5 more than what I would pay for it. Mm -hmm. But then you can identify like, oh, PLV projections has Dansby Swanson at 21 while the market value is like 17 or 18. So that's a point where I can get profit in my in my draft if I go for Dansby Swanson, and you actually will see certain groupings where there are players that you know in that tier. So that's how it is with like shortstops for me. It was like I got Willie Adams, and uh, I will go into that. But there, are those kinds of shortstops that we know are are profit, mm-hmm. and I uh, so so I, I know I'm wasting a lot of time rambling on this, but. Um, it's really important to understand where are you going into drafts and expecting to get profit? People talk about throwing, getting money off the table, but if the market value of a guy is $25, you throw him out there and he goes for 25, there is no money off the table. They were expected to go at that rate anyway. So unless they're paying a premium for it, then it's not money off the table. And to be able to nominate guys at a time where you think that there's only maybe one or two elite guys left that should be going for what you think is a market premium, that's when you should be nominating them. Mm-hmm. Because then now in this situation, this guy will go for $20 when he should have been going for 16 before. That's $4 extra out from the pool. And that's important, right? Things like this. And it blew my mind. I was like, of course, I'm just I was just such a child. Uh, before And I tried as much as I could to apply to this one. And so what I did, one more thing. This is great. The night before Tower Wars, okay? Here mm. in New York City, it's wonderful. All these things going on. In the back room of the Times Square David Busters was the <laughs> NFBC drafts. I know, not a phrase I ever thought I'd be saying in my life. Yeah, at least um, that's not usually
1: what happens there, but
0: go on.
2: Yeah, right. And, uh, and we go there. It was really nice. Got to meet some really cool people. Rob D.P. Uh, The Pietro I got to meet for the first time was really nice. And they were doing 15 team auctions. And I was like, this is awesome. This is great. So I went Mm -hmm. home that night. I saw there were three NFBC auctions that went on Friday. And this is really important because Edwin Diaz got hurt and early in the week. And I wanted to know how was that affecting the market for closers. Mm -hmm. So I actually saw that closers were going for a premium. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I knew that instead of it being like $15 for a closer, normally you're going to have to get 20 21 for them. And sure. I had this extra bit of information. And that is a nice tease for what I did in this draft. It was, it, now, I felt really only, good. I made my auction values and it was great.
1: If only there was a draft software that did all of this for you and kept track of all the market inefficiencies and kept track of what the prices were and what you thought the prices were and how much people were actually paying for it and then automatically adjusted to show so, how much value So are you being facetious you is pay. there one because yes, I want to make course. Of course I am. What? Of course I am. Rotolab. I have been telling you about Rotolab for years. It does all of this. It does literally all of this. Literally all of it. Everything that you just said, (laughs) Rotolab does. I showed it to you years ago. It will adjust over the course of the draft if you wanted to, to say, oh, well, well, this position is now going at a premium, and I could do that. Here's the market value that I have. Here's what he's going for. I understand
2: that. No, no. But there's there's different parts to it, though, with Rotolab. So I've I've used... Okay. <laughs> uh, so we used years. this in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the things about RotoLab, I, I don't want to see. This is I don't want to be put in a situa- situation where I want to speak negatively about a software, sure. um, and because they do an amazing job and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I want to serve one that is a little different. I mean, they they offer so many things that that it can be overwhelming to some, um, as okay. well. And uh, our goal with our draft software is to, to be as simple as we can, is to really be like, look, like in your draft, you're not trying to go to 20 tabs and do your research during it. We want like, here it is straight in front of you. Um, also, Rotolab does not let you import projections. Um, yeah, you're, you're restricted to uh, baseball HQs, which isn't a bad projection system by any means. It just has that limitation. You can adjust them, I know, on your own individually. We've done that together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but when you say that it, 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 it has market values and it imports mm-hmm. them, I, well, this is news to me their... as far as...
1: It, it's, you're saying based on the draft that's going on at the moment. You could do both. You can set it so that like it changes the value so you can be like, oh, people are paying crazy for second baseman but you're, right now. But just inside of your draft, not externally.
2: Not externally. What do you mean? As in, like when I say market values, I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm doing the, my work of looking at other drafts outside of the, my own beforehand to understand where the market is going to be likely placing these players. Oh, oh, okay. No, but you—that's no, what I mean. It won't. That, do that, that's what you I'm trying can. To, right, right. That's the thing that keys. is so important, though. I understand that. That makes that, That's great, and I'm I'm happy for it. What I'm trying to get at is. So I made my own spreadsheet of being able to look at ADP that's been going around um, and getting a sense of, okay, this is the expected market value of these players before the draft starts. And I'm not just saying by looking at that is the difference maker. Mm -hmm. That is really the big like, oh, man, I need to do that homework. And we want to I mean, I'm going to see if it's possible. I'm not gonna make any promises. But I'm going to try as best I can to find a way that automatically creates market values and we can update this and you can actually easily do that. So, look, like we have that for you. Do you want to use this ADP? Do you want to use that one? Being able to API that in to a Google Sheet. That is the game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's news to me that Rotolab ever did that. It didn't, right? No, no, no. No, it okay.
1: doesn't do that. You can't integrate other ADP. I don't, ADPs I don't want
2: it in the draft. I mean, yeah, I get mm-hmm. that because identifying that that catchers are going at a premium or so, fine. Sure, but I mean, I think as you're doing it anyway, you are recognizing it, right? Um, so that yeah. that's not as not as huge of a deal for me. Um, but it's I mean, it's important to know, but it's not really you gotta you gotta know what your market values are. And then be able to say, cool, mine are different than those external sure. market values I think the room is going to do. Right. Of course. Yeah.
1: The, that, listen, oh. we spent a lot of, we spent a good time on the draft prep aspect of it. I think it's, it's an important conversation though, because, you know, there uh, there's a lot of work that you can be doing pre-draft to set yourself up for success. And I think Nick kind of just hit the nail on the head on what theoretically you could be doing to do that. So let's, let's start to break down the draft then. Well, actually, before, before we do that, one last piece of kind of prep. So A lot of the conversations that we have are about 12 teamers are preparing for 12 teamers, right? And now you're in a 15 teamer, as we've mentioned. You usually say that there's a grouping of four, right? A grouping of four pitchers that you kind of want to get that are your locks, right? Guys that you're not going to be throwing back to the wire. You're not going to be necessarily streaming with. But now it's a 15 teamer. Does that go down to three?
2: It does change a little bit. And I actually had an intent in this one to get three. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was my intent here. And uh, what happened is I, I, I think I didn't jump, um, at one or two of them that I kind of want to Grayson Rodriguez went for 10 and I, uh, I probably should have pushed it up for 11 there. Um, Robbie Ray that I was able to get $15 in labor went for 19. I was like, oh man, this, this helium's getting out of, out of whack now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found that a lot of the. I mean the my my goal was essentially to spend about fifty five dollars if I could, on on three starters, um, okay. so that's 20, 20, 15, essentially right, and the fifteen, uh, didn't really come my way. Maybe you know one that really, I think the one that really bothered me was Lanson at thirteen, and I should have gone fourteen, mm-hmm. um, but. What I did is say, you know what, I'm going to, instead of overpaying for one that I felt was kind of a fringe inside of that, I I believe that I can either A, feast on the discount ones and make that work, or B, spend like four or five dollars and get some guys that I have in the 50s instead of the 40s on my SPs and just kind of see how I can do with that. Well, then, what do you know, spending more money on offense uh, hmm. to really solidify that. And I, I got really fortunate in that regard um, you, with, with my offense and also my you, relief core. All
1: right. We're, we're going to start to break this down and we're going to get to what I think is quite literally the pitching steel of the draft in my mind, just looking at these prices and what you did. We're going to start to break down all of this after we take a quick break.
0: Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com to sign up for your trial today. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. The best part—you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of four thousand two hundred seventy-two Noomers, ninety-eight percent say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: So. I, I teased this before the break, so I, I didn't want to get into pitching quite yet. Um uh, and I wanna, you know, I wanna kinda break down each of the individual positions and stuff, but I, I have to say that when I look at Garrett Cole at 32, Shane Bieber at 26, Zach Wheeler at 23, Jacob deGrom at 28. And Aaron Nola at 30, Spencer Strider at 29, Shane McClanahan at 28, and Max Freed at 23. And then I see that you got Brandon Woodruff, who could theoretically outperform all of them. Honestly, honestly, outperform all of them. He could win the Cy Young this year at $22, the same price as Zach Gallen. That is simply unbelievable. I cannot believe that no one went the extra dollar for, for what could be SP3, SP, like the third best pitcher in baseball, maybe. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Whatsoever.
2: $22 for one drift. Like, what? The same price as Gallon? So so this is what happened. Is um, and this is really about draft strategy that I think Ariel taught me too. Is it, it, I did not go into this draft being like, I have to get this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is before the draft. I signed my draft dollars and I had them like it, you know, if I'm saying I have to get this guy, then put your draft out do- and you know, put your money at that yeah, price. Good. Right. Mm-hmm. Just do it beforehand. And I did that. So what that means is I have all these starters, and especially inside the top 22, my, the aces of dubs, right? The uh, the good 22 starters. I didn't really care who it was. Um, then I would spend about 20 to $23 on, I got, I got Luis Castillo for 23 and, and Zach with 20 in labor. And it was just, those are the guys that I happened to get, but I didn't Mm. want to spend 25, 26 every time there's always someone in there that falls. And so I was just in on every single one of them. I would be like, all right, 19, $20 for all of them. And then someone with 21 on Woodruff is like, all right, yeah, 22, I was expecting someone to go 23, 24, 25, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> and that that's the thing, is like it wasn't I need to get Brandon Woodruff. I'm gonna get him for $22. Mm-hmm. It's that I would have gotten Aaron Nola at 22 if he was able, if I was able to get that. I would have gotten Castillo whoever it is. It just happened we to be Woodruff more. that got that fell for me. So I was thrilled with that. And I was still in for another guy at twenty. And I got you Darvish at 19. Same as Fred Valdez Insane to me. So again, this yeah. is inside of my top twenty-two. I got two of them for forty-one dollars, mm-hmm. which is not what I anticipated. Um, for especially including Brandon Woodruff, so I felt I was thrilled about that. And w- w- what's kind of nuts to me, I'm going to pair this up with the closer stuff because the the fact this is really I think the proudest of the stuff of the draft for me. Was that I was able to get my two studs for forty one dollars, and then with closers, this is what happened. So I I went to the draft and I saw that closers were going for a premium. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Helsley um, went as the first was the first nominated closer, mm. and he uh, he was like the you know the I don't know like the tenth guy or maybe the twentieth nomination. I actually hadn't gotten a guy yet because there were just it was OBP league, and essentially what happens is I think people over. Estimate the value of obp True. um, and that meant all these premiums were going like super, super high premiums for all these hitters. Fine, I'll let just let it happen. It's okay. Uh, Ryan Helsley comes up, and I think the room was like, "Where are people going to be on closers?" You know, yeah, no one sure. wanted to be the first one to go for it, and I knew there was going to be a premium, so I was in on Ryan Helsley, even though I had no real. In- anticipation to like spend a ton on closers, but yeah, I need to get one. It's a 15 teamer. I don't want to, I'm going to be so far behind in this. And I got Helsley at 16 and the room went quiet at 16 and I got him. And I, and I looked at Ariel Cohen and Ariel Cohen gave me, that's a good price. That's a good <laughs> price. And I was like, yes, I'm so excited about this. And then the next one that was nominated was Peter Fairbanks. Mm. And again, I knew that there was going to be a closer premium, so I got Fairbanks at twelve. I had him as a fifteen dollar, and then I got out of closers, and I was like at twenty eight dollars. I have these two, and if you look at other closers that went, okay, yeah, the prices. Ryan Presley at eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Duvall at fourteen. I got Helsley at, at sixteen here. Jordan Romano went at twenty. Bautista yeah. went at fifteen. Bednar mm-hmm. went at fifteen. Right? And I got $16 Helsley here. And what's so funny about this was I was sitting next to Jeff Zimmerman during this. And I got to say, like, there's something to be said about who you sit next to in auction drafts. I think it's so entertaining. And if you have, like, the right person, it just makes it so much better. I love sitting next to Jeff Zimmerman Mm. because he's so smart and he has his projections. And he's, like, he's so good at this that everyone just wants validation during course, yeah. their draft and be like other things are going on and to not to you someone you know the guy next to you and be like this is ridiculous right okay good and Jeff Zimmerman was like cursing at me like mm. 30 minutes later that I got Helsley at $16 and then yeah. Alex Chamberlain was there and I think Chamberlain um got Presley at 18 and Barlow at 10 yeah. Yeah. and I was just cackling at him because <laughs> he was so upset at me I got Hellsley. He he was in at someone else at like 19. Someone else got him at 20 or something. And I was just literally cackling like in his ear. It was, it was, I had such a good time with it. I couldn't believe it. Um, So I I got very, very lucky with it.
1: I love the Ryan Hensley at Hensley at, at no Hensley. It's sixteen. No, it's I mean, Hensley. there's a lot of misspellings yeah. in here. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, They're yeah. trying to go quick. I was like looking at that. Like I know that's not right. Um, Hader, you know, going to twenty one, and Williams going around that same price, and you know, you're getting a you're getting an arguably a top five, definitively a top ten closer for better prices than everyone. I I am not as big on the Fairbanks as 12 just because he's he's going to split all of his saves. Mm. Um, and I like I kind of dig Barlow at 10 because even though Barlow's ceiling is not as high as Peter Fairbanks like Peter Fairbanks if he performs and is healthy gets you elite ratios. Barlow is going to get the majority of the save opportunities there. I think Paul Seawald at five dollars from Scott Chu. Yeah, that was fantastic. good. That was good. I had a Seawald up, but essentially once I got Helsley
2: and Fairbanks, I was like, I'm not spending another dime on a closer.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I, I, if Fairbanks does end up getting the bulk of the saves, then I think you're you're golden there. But I just always worry with the Rays because no team spreads yeah, out saves the more. The one
2: thing I am fearing, I'm going to mention though, is Fairbanks. I really like because let's say it's twenty saves or so, right? Uh, I'm not trying to necessarily win saves. I'm trying to be like, cool, I am competitive-ish. I'm middle of the pack in saves, right? Uh, I also actually, in my reserves, I uh, went after Trevor May, um, just to be like, you know what, I'll take another stab at another closer if yeah. I want one too. And But Fairbanks is such a good ratio, and also will help out in strikeouts too. What he does with it, um, it's not just beginning saves with Fairbanks. Um, which is why I felt more comfortable going for it at 12. Like I put him... I mean, obviously the health is a thing, but there's a, there a tweet I put out about Fairbanks's decreased velocity sitting next to Jason Collette at that time, and it was hilarious to put it out. I'm not too concerned about the velocity being down on that one. I think it was a cold gun ultimately, which means also Rasmussen was throwing hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I Fairbanks will, I feel really only, good about there.
1: I think all those points are valid. My only counter is they have not had a reliever get more than 15 saves since yeah. 2019. Sure. They just, it's, like, it's probably going to be 10. I'm going to um, blame Jason Collette for this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They, uh, uh, can you, I, oddly enough, the last person who got 20 saves for them, and it was exactly 20, was Emilio Pagan. I was going to say it was Pagan. Which is, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And then Sergio Romo before that, which is even mm. funny. Um, all right, so we, we can stick with the pitching, too, here, because we might as well, and then we'll, we'll wrap with with the hitting stuff because there's plenty of other things to talk about. So we talked about Woodruff. We talked about Darvish. I mean, just truly fantastic values there. So who you said you wanted to get three. I, I'm not going to say you have four, but I will say you kind of have three and a half between Sonny Gray and Penta Maeda. There's a very good chance that both of those guys could really hit super hard for you. Four dollars for both of them too is also quite nice. So talk to us about, you know, who, who in your mind is the three, or is it more of like a three and a half situation?
2: Um, I think Sonny Gray is the more stable three here. Um I don't think he's as bad as people are making him out to be. Uh I do have some worries about the secondaries doing enough. Um, as the curveball and the slider and getting enough strikes to make it so that he doesn't have to just live with fastballs, because his fastballs are not good enough. It's a called strike focused sinker and the fast four seamer isn't that great. Um, but I think he's serviceable, especially in a 15 teamer. Uh, winning ball club with the twins, he should get a fair amount of strikeouts as well. I think he's just good for you. Uh, I I still regret, like, I see seven dollar Senga's pretty good. Uh, Bassett went for eight, which was really good. The Chamberlain, even though I'm worried about the velocity a little bit, I would like to have that. Or, uh, I'm also seeing Jeffrey Springs at eight, which is really good. Pablo Lopez went for seven, and I was actually in at six. Mm Chu had this whole thing of like, if I was in on a guy, he would always just do one more on starting pitching.
1: <laughs> and I
2: was Except like, that's a, smart, <laughs> that's a smart, that's a smart way. Yeah, Cal Quantrill. I was like, absolutely, you go ahead. You take buddy. <laughs> um, I think I did Kopeck for one. He said two dollars for Kopeck. I was like, oh come, come on, man. Mm. Um, and then I Logan Webb, he got a fourteen, which I thought was pretty good. I was in at Gosman at twenty two, and then he said twenty three. I was like, yeah, okay, fine, I'm out. Um but that's a good one. Gosman at 23 by the way. I thought that was great for Chu. Hmm. Um I was in at 18 Julio Urius. He said 19. I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine." Um it was stuff like that. I uh, but I but yeah, I mean, I feel okay with it. I feel like I feel like I've certainly put myself at a disadvantage for the depth of my starting pitching. Without hmm. a doubt. And that's by design uh where I just felt that there were these the guys I would normally want to fall in the value didn't really happen uh yeah. for the middle round guys that I normally would go for. Um I was hoping to get some eight dollar stuff or maybe you know ten dollar Logan Gilbert, but he went for 15. Like, all right, fine, that's not gonna happen in this league. Okay. Um I mean, I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad price to spay f- uh, to spend for um to pay to spend for uh Logan Gilbert. Just I was maybe hoping he would fall a little bit more. Um so I, I then adapted from my starters saying, you know what? I'm just going to get a better offense and focus yep. on that then. And I, I, I move some of my draft dollars to that. And we'll talk about that soon. But Sonny Gray and May, I think Ketamei is just still going undervalued. He's never had a strike rate under 25%. And the idea that in 2021, he had a partially torn UCL um, before he actually, of course, had John. And now it's the honeymoon period. I feel mm-hmm. like it's time for Kentomayad to be a really serviceable starter. Um, so I like both of those guys. I think again, the Twins playing pitching for the Twins is a good thing to be doing. True. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them both perform this year.
1: Yeah, there, I mean, it's the more I think about it, the more like just you being in a 15 teamer is a is a really fun and unique challenge for you because, like you said, a majority of your time is spent in 12 teamers, and now the the wire for pitching is. Not cut in half, but is is smaller. It's, and yeah, I'm gonna, gonna have to competing. find. I'm gonna have to work harder uh, for totally. Him, yeah. But with that said, I mean there are fun flyers that you got in your reserve rounds as well, right? Oh, like man. Nick Martinez is a fun flyer. Graham Ashcraft is kind of like I don't know if he's boom or bust, but there's a significant amount of upside there, right? There's Look, a I don't know what he's been hit.
2: developing on. He certainly has the velocity. Um, sure, he's been saying that he's fixed some things. We'll see. I'm gonna believe when I see it. I don't
1: like that now, he's pitching for the Reds, but what the heck? I, I screwed up, and I should have clarified this at the beginning. This is indeed a roto league, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, I, th- there's, there's some fun to be had there, too, because like things can – and it's a weekly as well. So, so Graham Ashcraft, love it. He's got back-to-back starts that are both on the road. Bam, done. He's got one start that's a really you know juicy team, and maybe Matthew Boyd doesn't pan out, or Schuster is still in the minors or whatever. Bam, you put in Graham Ashcraft right. on the road, and he can get you a, a you know a, a good amount of uh of you know ratios. What uh, uh, what, what fast spoiled there is that so mm-hmm. here comes the end of the draft, right? I
2: have mm-hmm. five dollars for three spots, so I'm trying to figure out who am I who are the guys I'm going to spend two dollars on. Sure. For starting pitchers, I was kind of hoping maybe I would get uh Kopeck or something at one, and I, I, I'm trying to decide here. There are a lot of interesting ones still on the table, but I have uh, you know, James and time went for three, and I was so upset I had him at two and it went for three. I was like, ah, fine, I can't do that one anymore. Um, so Hayden Wasnaski got nominated for one, and I got in at two because I thought mm-hmm. Wasnaski is a really fun flyer. And I think people may be undervaluing what the ceiling is there with West a little bit. And I felt like, you know what? That's a good one for me to go and chase. Um, I then heard someone say Matthew Boyd. And I shouted it in the room to laughter that I said $2. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. It came out of your depths. Yeah. I was just like, and the I like I saw the heads turn to me and I said, Two dollars! <laughs> you know, um, because you know what? What the heck? Like, we, we're really in on this. The way that we've talked about Matthew Boyd, I think normally he's a $1 guy in this. Sure, a yeah, two. But, but the brand it, is strong. But the brand is strong. And also, <laughs> I think I think one element that I really need to watch out for here is in Rota Leagues as opposed to head-to-head, you have to focus on not getting too far behind in certain categories. I could talk all day about, like, oh, there's somebody, like, good upside flyers and stuff. But those that have like legitimate aces on their teams are going to get more wins and more strikeouts than I am. So I, Mm -hmm. if I've only have two of these guys in Darvish and Woodruff, so I need to think about specific categories here. Boyd is a 25% plus strikeout potential guy. So I am, I need to target that one. Same with the right? That's why I like Sonny Gray and Maeda. Those are potential good win guys. Um, those yeah. are harder things to find later in your draft. So I, I was purposefully doing that. Same with Nick Martinez. I went for Nick Martinez because he could be a sneaky double-digit win guy if he has a rotation spot for the Padres all year, right? Uh, so it, it's it's things like that that I'm focusing. I also got Seth Lugo, by the way, in the reserves.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Same idea. Um, I think they're both kind of overlooked. Cal Harrison was in my reserves because he's a massive K-potential guy. So it's about trying to figure out ways to replicate that ace dump, um, and get those elements of my Roto Leagues uh, that I, I tried to tackle here with it. So I thought, you know what, let's go with Boyd. And my last, my last starter, I have $1 left, and I had to pick this one carefully because this is tough. I didn't yeah. want to nominate somebody who I could have gotten reserves and would potentially be a $2 ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a little bit of a gamble, but I got him. And that was Jared Schuster, because I think Schuster is going to get this job in Atlanta and hold it. That, that's mm-hmm. where I'm at right now. I think the case with Atlanta is uh, you have the number five spot is open right now. Soroka will probably be in there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, However, probably. Kyle Wright is terrifying me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a I talked about this morning, in the Plus Pitch podcast. Uh, it's a cortisone shot that he got three weeks ago, and he's feeling great right now. Cortisone shots are not long term solutions. Sure. Those that, that is short term pain relief,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's for his right shoulder. Yeah. I that's think scary. that the I think Atlanta's gonna need that rotation spot uh, with Schuster for a long time. Atlanta is a winning ball club. We just saw Cal get twenty one wins last year. Yeah. Schuster's looking so good. His his slider down and into right-handers. His his changeup's looking great. I really dig what he has. Dylan Dodd is interesting too, but I think Schuster has the the step above him, and I love taking him as a flyer, especially in a fifteen-teamer for one dollar. I feel like I really uh, nailed that one.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely a good dollar play because it's kind of what you want to be doing there. Like, there's two there's two kind of mindsets. There's like a dollar that I can use it for like a kind of safe guy who's got a job, but he's just going to be a Toby. Or there's a dollar and I can go for some upside there because I know that he's going to return value, right? right. Um, or there's a higher chance that he could return $9, $10 of value, right? I'll, I'll say that looking at the other dollar picks, this is probably my first or second favorite dollar pick. I, I really do love Ross Stripling for a dollar, I think is... Mm. really good uh, just because I think there's a lot of opportunity there but then yeah, I look sure. at the other dollar picks Eric Lauer like I, I I think you can make a great case that you can take Schuster over Eric Lauer for a dollar Kyle Gibson maybe Noah Syndergaard but there's plenty of concerns there with Noah Syndergaard Brandon Fott doesn't have a job right now he was sent down yeah. to the minors and it doesn't look like he's gonna win that number five spot but Jose Arquiti I'll take the upside of Schuster so I, I think it's a it's a really fun dollar play for sure are there any final thoughts about the? pitching uh side of this before we move on to the hitting
2: yeah i i i recognized in my reserves like i only took one hitter in the reserves um mm. because i just i'm trying to find this is how i do these things is i find hitting sorry i find hitting later and i I find pitching early so i i went in on on that a ton um because i spent on hitting and this is by design that I'm I'm leaning on my skill set of finding pitchers in season. So wish me luck with that. I know that I I, I wish I had the security of one more starter. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. Mm-hmm. Um, like Rasmussen at ten dollars, like, oh, okay, you know, I wish I got that. Maybe I spent eleven on that one, but then it would have had a worse offense. So we'll see what happens here.
1: Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're gonna dive into some hitting.
2: What is this fast? This is two straight episodes that yeah, you and hard. I have gone into hitting a ton. I know, listeners. Oh, I, I, know. I understand. It's it's not normal on the corner, but we got to do this. We gotta we gotta do everything with drafts for you, uh, and we know a thing or two about hitters. A Don't bit. get used to
1: it. Don't get used to it. Um, we'll we'll just go position by position, working our top down here. I mean, you know, if you listen to the podcast earlier this week, you know, kind of Nick and I's feelings on on Sean Murphy. Um, he goes to you for fourteen. Um, you know, that's that's four dollars cheaper than Wilson Contreras. Uh, obviously Dalton Varsho and uh, Adley Rutschman, Adley Rutschman going for 19 is kind of interesting. But again, we talked about him yesterday too, where it seems like I think he's a better real life catcher than necessarily fantasy. JT Muto goes for 26. Uh, so you get him for cheaper than Alejandro Kirk. You get him for $4 cheaper than, than Will Smith. Um, Tyler Stevenson goes a dollar more than him, too. So I kind of like this. I mean, everyone else didn't spend money on catcher. They made it pretty clear that they were either doing dollar days or they were not going to spend more than $6 or $7 on catcher. Um, aside Jeff Zimmerman. Listen, when Jeff I mean, Zimmerman well, does something, you pay attention. Well, the but.
2: thing is, the, the elite catchers, the ones that are like yeah. your top eight or so, went up. You know, yeah. you have, yeah, you have, as you mentioned, Zimmerman, Varsha, Melendez combined for $42. You have Kirk yeah. at 15 um, Danny Jansen even at ten. And actually, Mason has both Toronto guys. Um, Tyler Stevenson went for fifteen. Richmond for nineteen. So actually, I was really happy with Murphy at, at fourteen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Murphy. I think he's getting undervalued. Um, I think the projections projections have him undervalued. Um, and he's absolutely a target of mine. Uh, and I, yeah, I had him as a market value of I um uh, ten or eleven or so, and I I went above it. I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm getting this is the one I'm like, I'm going to get Sean Murphy because I just don't want to. I mean, there's something else to be said. It's a 15 teamer and I do not want to be hunting for catchers in season. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, like I get wine and whoever it is, and I was lucky that it was Sean Murphy.
1: Now the other catcher too, You you decide to go the, extra dollar, and that is you go from one to two, on, on Jonah Heim. So it, you didn't want to be like a dollar-days kind of guy. Jonah Heim obviously over in Texas projected to hit about sixth in that lineup right behind Garcia and Josh Young. You know, not definitely. It's not an average league, so that doesn't matter. But even the OBP, uh, you know, not great yeah, sub-300, but a good it. amount of pop. Yeah, not loving this. I mean, 30 catchers are being
2: started, right? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I try to... I tried to get some guys at $1. I actually spent like two rounds trying to nominate $1 catchers before Mm. it normally happened, but people were spending on it. So someone else nominated Jonah Heim. He was the highest one available. I was like, I will spend the second dollar so that I do not have
1: to do this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, all right, go. Cool. I mean, like I said too, you can get 15 home runs out of him, uh, which which isn't terrible. And I, I, if I recall correctly from my days of setting lineups every week, there were times where they would bat him relatively high in the order, which was always kind of mm-hmm. interesting to me. And that might have been when they didn't have as much uh, as much in their lineup. Um, but let's move now to the the kind of uh, infield here and talk uh, corner infielders. I mean, this this corner infield situation is is a true beaut. We're talking, you know, Matt Olson at twenty nine, Raphael Devers at thirty, and then arguably what could be my my favorite pick of these three is Ryan McMahon at three. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, these guys and why you want some extra dollars on them.
2: I don't know how I keep finding some ridiculous value at three dollars. I did it with Javier Baez and Labor for three dollars, and then Ryan McMahon at three here. It's just. He was there at the end of the draft and other people had this position either labeled as a $1 or already covered. And I saw Ryan McMahon on my board. I think I'm at a $15 value. <laughs> and so I got $12 of profit on Ryan McMahon. Um, yeah. Couldn't believe it. I Corner infield by design for me was like, okay, I'm going to get something of value later on. I know this because... I because it's just deeper to get that and OVP and everything like that. And I didn't expect it to be man. That was amazing. Um, with Matt Olson, I paid market value, in my view. I had him as a $29 value and I paid it. And I wasn't thrilled, but I also, you know, I saw Freeman at 36, Alonso at 34, Goldschmidt at 30. I would have liked to have Goldschmidt at 30 instead. But I I needed to. You know, you can't just only live on premiums. You still have to get the production. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, you have to on profits, I should say. And Matt Olson was even for me. It's fine playing market value instead of the premium of the others. So, you know, that's what Ariel said to me. It's like as long as you, if other people are playing premiums and you're not, you're paying less of a premium, that's still a victory, right? So I was happy with uh Olson at 29. Endeavors at 30, I don't love. I mean, Chamberlain went for 27 on Bregman for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and, (laughs) and I, uh, Machado went for 38. I'm sorry. He, he, I even looked at him. He's like, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, buddy. But if you look at like Devers relative to Riley, went for 33. Relative to Machado, went for 38. Jose Ramirez, 44. You know, Bregman at 27. Devers at 30 looks pretty good then, right? So I'm okay with it. He's I personally am not as in on Devers as others are, um, and not the greatest for OBP, uh, but felt good about it. Felt fine. Like it, it's one of those picks of all right. I'll pay this amount, and you know, like I I just needed I had the extra dollars to spend on offense. Like good. I got Devers. Great. If I got him at twenty seven, mm-hmm. I'd be like oh, what a great steal or something. So whatever. Those three dollars. Okay,
1: sounds good. Um. The last thing too, I mean, we hit on it a little here. Um, Ryan McMahon has a has a, a a new max exit velo in spring training this year at once at one seventeen. Um, yes, one seventeen
2: is, is insane.
1: One seventeen is insane. Last year his his high was about 113, 114. thirteen, one fourteen. Let's go. Um, now I, I I get so scared about this because like I just don't know if the Guns work the way that they should, right? I just don't know if, like, yeah, if, if Hawkeye is so like that's the the thing that always kind of scares me. But if that is true, and where he's going in drafts, uh, I, I don't care. I'll take that chance all day that that is right. a true thing because all if right. we're getting harder max exit and cores, or, or even on the road, yes, yes, please. Yeah, I do
2: remember seeing something like that. There was one day like McMahon was super high on the exit velocity, and we're like, yeah, this isn't right. Hmm. Um, so that could be no, that but- one.
1: There, all the other exovillos look right. too not don't look too dissimilar either. So I I, mm. I think the first person I heard that from was Eno. So maybe he has some additional insight. But yeah, it's enough that three dollars is worth the worth the gamble there for oh, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so then let's look at some of the other infield positions um, going over to the middle infield. We have Brandon Lau at $9, Willie Adames at 18 and Dansby Swanson also at 18 You and I talked a little bit yesterday about Willie Adames as I was very frustrated that you took him from me in the Pitcherless Legacy League. Hey, um, those I'm two surprised guys you took are, Pena above Correa, by the way. I did not, not take Pena. Uh, that was uh, Quincy Dong. Oh, interesting. I'm surprised he's yeah, I do not. Korea. I do not have a shortstop, but you did just, uh, uh, hopefully no one, hopefully, let's push this out a little bit later. Let's, Obviously, let's, you're let's, taking him the next round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's, uh, if I can, I mean, hopefully he's not gone. Um, but yeah, so Willie Adames and Dan's we sponsored at the same price. You know, we talked, actually, it's funny because I think we even talked about those two guys yesterday going at similar prices and have, having somewhat similar skill sets. Right. Talk to me about what you were focusing on for your middle infield. So,
2: I mean, I knew that I'd be targeting these shortstops, right? This is where I think there's the best value. I had them both at $21 valuations. I got them each for each team, 18. And I, the way I saw it, it was like, all right, it's profit in my offense. Shortstop in middle of the infield. There you go. All set. I mean, that's really what it was. I I can see an argument that I am not doing well enough here at stolen bases. And I might actually need to adapt to that, maybe make a deal at some point. Um, just to get some on here. Like, for example, like an Edmund might have been a better fit um, than saying doubling up on Adamas with Swanson. But I got Adamus first at 18, and then Swanson was out there at 17. I was like, well, I have him as a 21 value. So I'll go in for 18. I expected it to go higher because all the short steps are going now. And then they let me get him at 18. I was like, oh, sweet. All right. I'll, we'll mm-hmm. take this. Um, the one I actually really liked was I didn't have a second baseman. I kind of was upset that Adamus and Swanson are both just shortstop, so I I was trying to figure out who my second baseman was going to be. I thought it might be Jorge Polanco. He went to fourteen dollars, and then I got Brandon Lau at nine, and I was thrilled about this. I was there there was nothing like Jonathan India went at fourteen, right? And I told you about the India joke I made, which was uh, wonderful (laughs) in uh, in Tout, but like fourteen versus my Brandon Lau at nine. I'm thrilled about it. And then afterwards, um, I was able to, you know, Sirius XM covers all the all the wars, right? Uh and and Steve Phillips mentioned like Brandon Lau is so good at nine. And I was like, oh, on the spot talking about a hitter. Great, cool, can't wait. Um and I, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just pretty much being like, look, yeah, like a lost season last year. Um yep. back looks healthy. He hit thirty, what, thirty-five home runs, thirty-nine home runs in two thousand and twenty one. Mm. Like Yep. I had no other options that I really liked at this point. Vaughn Grissom went for eight, you know, and he and doesn't even have a job. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon Lau sounds awesome. So I was really, really thrilled with that. I feel like that kind of made the whole thing work. Uh, I, otherwise, I mean, I don't know who my second baseman would have been. Um, so that, that worked out just so well for me.
1: it's not it's not often in a situation especially in an auction where you're left with what could theoretically be considered the dregs and you get someone who can provide a good amount of value and I really do think Brandon Lau is going to be that I mean this is a guy who's still even with the off year still put up a 10% walk rate it's an OBP league and I Mm -hmm. think there's a chance that he gives you a 350 OBP at the end of the year I'm going to take the over on all of the projections even if it isn't 350 I think 340 is completely realistic for him Um, I don't know if he's going to hit 39 again but I Think you're still getting 20 25 home runs from him, and he's hitting in a cleanup for the race. Yeah. So Brandon Lau plus
2: Ryan McMahon it. for twelve dollars is so good. Yeah. I'll
1: take that. I'll take that all day. I'll take that all day. Um, it's and then of course, you know, I, I just I'm not gonna talk about William Adamus, it still hurts. Uh and we we already hit nah, him a little I bit. I mean, he Let's hit 30 move. home runs for me.
2: I mean that that's the thing. It's like yeah. I got a ton of pop here. Matt Olson, Devers, Adamas, mm-hmm. Swanson, and then you look at two my and Sean Murphy, um, McMahon and Lau. And then the outfielders. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of digging uh, what I did with the outfield here.
1: I will I will say, I love the pop. I do. I'm a fan of the offense. I think you might have six stolen bases at the end. The no, end no, 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 no. Okay, so
2: Adolis Garcia, I feel like this is why I was in on him. Like, he's potential <laughs> okay. for a 20 stolen bases plus. Uh, yeah. I'm also betting on the fact that stolen bases are going to be more plentiful across the league, especially for guys that are like 10, 15. So like Dansby mm-hmm. Swanson, is going to be increased on that. Maybe he actually gets a little bit more from Madama's than you'd expect. Um, Tasker Hernandez used to be a guy that actually would get a fair amount of stolen bases in there, too. You might see more of that as well for him this year. Um, Loriano is legitimate 2020 threat. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at $5 in this. Um, so there are stolen bases to be had here. Um, now, my goal is never to win stolen bases in a Roto League. Uh, I might have to fight to make sure that I get like six, seven points in it. Yeah. Um, but I felt that I, I felt that what I've done to ensure that I'm at the top of the pack, at least right now for home runs runs and RBI is, and also being competitive in OBP, um, is a much better situation to be in than sacrificing one of those. So, um, but yeah, what I did here, I went after least specifically cause I was like, okay, I need to get stolen bases in some fashion and I yeah. didn't spend above market value. I felt like that was it. I got That's it. Cool was happy with that one I've talked about Teoscar, Oscar um but yeah any thoughts there on, on Adelise
1: no I mean obviously it's it's kind of like what you said it's very similar to the methodology that you brought up yesterday where it's like you're gonna you're gonna have an opportunity to be top three in home runs RBIs and and ribbies for sure right he made a hundred hundred ribby last year a good chance that he can do that again in in a in a great Texas Rangers lineup um it, it's going to hurt an OBP, right? It's, he's not necessarily an OBP guy, right? Because he could mm-hmm. hover around 300. But um, I mean, this is this is going to be interesting too because I very much agree with your methodology in a, in a weekly category league where it's like some guy could get hot that week. The average doesn't necessarily matter. Let's focus on the guy who's going to get you a bunch of home runs, runs, and ribbies because then we're going to lock yeah. that up and then we're going to give yourself a good chance because there's so much volatility in average. There's so much volatility in stolen bases. I will be curious to see... In how, roto, if this is going to affect me, what yeah. happens? A very good yeah. point.
2: Um, yeah, run throw. I was looking at this point, I, I had originally planned to spend a little bit more on outfield, but it was essentially this is how I, I treat these drafts it's like, go where the values lead you. And that my infield was where the values were. Uh, so that meant my third outfield, uh, I had nine dollars and five dollars for my third and fourth, as opposed to maybe like going in on like 10 or 15 on my third um, and Renfro to me was the, at that point, the best option um, of, of guys available. Cause it really does fall off a decent amount.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, that's a, the angels could be a surprising offense this year. Uh, Trout Otani Ward, Renfro, uh, Rendon may maybe coming back and doing good things. Maybe hope uh, hopefully Walsh has improved. Um, So, so I felt all right. I, like I won't regret having Renfro in the five outfield league. I feel good about that one again as i mentioned with Loriano, i want to get someone that i felt better about stolen bases a bit mm-hmm. um and i feel like Loriano in a roto league two where he is a hot and cold guy i uh, can just go off in a certain time and then and then be good and then my last my last uh, outfielder was oscar oscar kolos
1: mm-hmm. which
2: by design is uh one dollar last outfielder um, because I think outfield in general, even in a 15 team or five outfield league is still something that you do want to replace often in season. Yeah. Uh, so I took a gamble on a guy who can make the opening roster for the white Sox. I think on the radio I accidentally said he was the guardians. Cause I still Oscar Gonzalez on my mind. Mm. And I was like, Oh, and I went to bed, you know, those moments in bed, like you just, your eyes open oh, and you realize something yeah. you did. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh boy, that was, that was embarrassing. Um, yeah. but Oscar Colas, yeah, White Sox. And I think he could honestly just be the starter on opening day and be decently high in the lineup. That is, uh, I can give him a lot of runs. Um, and I closed it out with Hassan Kim. I was like, all right, he's actually good. And Tatis isn't starting right now. And he was really hot in the second half of last year. That's a mm-hmm. fantastic lineup. And also you have Soto out now. Um, with an oblique injury. So Kim will find his way in that lineup now for $1 at utility. I was really happy with that.
1: Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, It's a fun pick for sure. I mean... Colas obviously high upside. He's got three home runs in spring. He cooled off a little bit, but he's still hitting over 260, which is which is really good to see. Um, there's a lot of upside there for sure. I think the only thing that scares me with him is I just I don't I never trust the White Sox development. Maybe I'm just scared away by like Andrew sure. Vaughn and at what least it's there not La Russa anymore too though. So they'll actually like give him opportunities. <laughs> yeah, unless it's the GM leading that charge, but I don't know. Sure. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, there's and we're also talking about a dollar here too. Other dollar picks are Mikey Stremsky, Brandon Marsh. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Blackman's interesting for a dollar. That's kind of a good get for a dollar because the playing time's locked up. But Chris Morrell um, or Christopher morell kind of in that same boat as Oscar Colas too. I think too, I mean, you, I think you very much stayed true to your methodology, right? You, this, this is a team. You know, it's funny because we I think we're talking about this off air yesterday. Maybe we said it on air. Where I was like, I covered up all the names in Tout, and I wanted to see if I could pick out what your team was. Mm, yeah. um, and then when I saw, honestly, the first thing that gave it away was Hayden Wisniewski. And then when I saw Schuster, I was like, okay, that's a hundred percent next team. Um, like all <laughs> the other ones, I was like, <laughs> like there were some other teams where I was like, okay, maybe the Patrick Sandoval, Sandy Alcántara one, like, and Hunter Green and Luis Severino. I was like, that's Nick. That's a kind of Nick team right there. Um, That was not yours, but uh, I like that staff. Um, But it it stays true to your methodology of like, okay, I'm going to beat you up on home runs. I'm going to be the top there. I'm going to beat you up on runs. I'm going to beat you up on ribbies. I just need to stay competitive in, in ribbies and stolen bases. The fact that, like you said, you've got some stolen base talent can keep you there. And there will be more stolen bases theoretically available on the wire. Like, I it just not, to, I don't want to harp too much on this because, but I do think it's an interesting topic because I've been thinking about it a lot. Stolen bases will m- most assuredly be up, but that will be across the board, right? Yeah, it won't right. necessarily be for an entire style of pitcher, uh, uh, a style of hitter, right? It's going to be up for everyone, but. While that means that theoretically everyone's going to get that bump, that also means that you might not need to prioritize it in drafts as much because you will be able to find a 10 stolen base or 15 stolen base guy.
2: So the idea is that then, well, everybody then has more stolen base in the wire. So your competitive advantage of getting more stolen bases doesn't mean Mm. as much because everyone has this access to the pool. Um, in my head, the reason I'm saying it is, well, it means that the guys, the lead guys, aren't as separate from the middle, and it's more that the ones that benefit the most from it are the guys that gain like 10 to 15 stolen bases, might be more like 15 to 20. Sure, uh and those but... little bits help, and I feel like I got a lot of those guys, um, while those that are really like the stolen base guys aren't really gonna get as many like they're not they're not going to go up by the same percentage as the ones in the middle of the pack in my view
1: totally i mean that's what kind of remains to be seen though like will right. Trey oh, Turner absolutely. now be a 60 stolen base guy
2: you right know i, I mean? don't think so will, but right yeah
1: yeah we have no idea i don't remember the last time it's been quite some time since we saw something like that i'll be fun to look forward to overall though let's do this um let's do what you your favorite pick your least favorite pick what you grade your team and one other team that you're super into. um,
2: Man. Okay. So I, favorite pick,
1: least favorite grade.
2: Favorite pick others. is Brandon Woodruff at 22. Cause I'm yeah, just like, unbelievable. Yeah, that's what's Truly that. remarkable. What's thoughts so, I mean that and Ryan McMahon at three, but I, uh, and then the way that Ryan Hesley just messed up the entire room. <laughs> those, those were probably my favorite three. Um, My least favorite pick. I I don't know. It, it, I could say it was it's Devers at thirty, but honestly, that worked out really well for me, and I needed to do that. I I'm not too too sure. Um, I don't I don't really have too many regrets here. I mean, maybe nineteen dollar. Uh, I Hernandez wasn't Oscar Hernandez wasn't at. You know, wasn't in uh, like a profit or anything like that. But then again, looking at the other ones, um, I don't know. I think I, I think I, I adhered to my strategy. A lot. I mean, Jonah High at two dollars, I don't really care for. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's maybe one of my least favorite ones. But if I could do it again, I would try and finagle away so that I have one more starter, so I don't feel like I'm as far back, um, as I am at the moment. I'll
1: put it that way. Okay. Um and the other team? The other team that Oh, sorry, I, and your grade. And your grade. Sorry.
2: My grade, I'll give myself uh I thought I did actually really well. So I was really nervous about it. Um I would say actually probably my least favorite picks are the ones in the reserve. I I should have maybe gotten one more hitter. But uh there you go. There's there's your answer there. Um I'll give myself a a, a eight point five out of ten. Okay. I think that's pretty good. Nah, uh, mm-hmm. I feel really, really good about it. I mean, I wanna my, internally I want to give myself a ten out of ten, but I'll be, you know, eight point five out of ten. Um, just because sunny gray Maeda, I'm leaning on heavily.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and there's a part of me that's like if I just combined those and got seven dollars for someone else that I feel better about, mm-hmm. I and then got another one dollar guy, maybe, but honestly, I don't really see who that would have been. I mean, if yeah. I could have gotten Jeffrey Springs and went for eight at seven, maybe. Um mm-hmm. But I, but anyway, I mean, Jesus was already one for thirteen. I was so sad about it. Uh, so he was at a point where I thought he would be a value, and he just he wasn't. I was like, oh boy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm giving myself an eight point five out of ten. Okay, and
1: the uh, other team that you're like, oh, that's
2: a nice team. Um, I'm always gonna say it's Jeff Zimmerman. Mm. <laughs> it's you gotta be smart. I, mean, I think people- actually. Yeah, I think Ron Chandler did a really good job, too. Uh, Max Reed at 23, Chris Sale at 14, uh at 11, Clark Schmidt at 5. Um, not so much on the collar right, but, like, I think he did a good job. We got Freeman, we um, got Gunnar Henderson, uh, uh, Franco, Lindor. I think his team worked out really well. Our projections really liked his team. Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking at I'm her, she's like, wait, this isn't what I'm thinking of right now. I... Uh, where is it? Pianowski's. Yeah, the Pianowski team is Ron Chandler's. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. McClanahan um, and Kershaw. And- I was going through. It. I was like, I remember thinking to myself like, oh yeah, Chandler's team. I'm reading it off. I'm like, that's Hershey's team. Sorry, Hershey. He had a good team too. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, but Hunter Brown at seven, I really liked from him. I remember that one going. Um, he uh he also got on David Peterson at four dollars, which I thought was pretty cool. Evan Phillips, I think, at five, and Brice Alcides at eighteen wasn't. That's pretty good. Even though I got Hells at sixteen, that uh, was still pretty good relatively. I'm um, a Rosario mm-hmm. 11 Ryan Malcastle at 11. I thought was a steal. Yeah. Um, So the, he did a lot of really good things. That I thought was pretty cool. Uh,
1: all right. So we have it then Nick best of luck in, in tout this year. It's very exciting. It's a new format. It's a new challenge. It's nice to be able to have that. I'm excited to see how the team pans out. Any final thoughts here about your first 15 team tout team? Just want to say thank you to uh, the entirety of Tout. I got to hang out with Peter. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Kretzler a, a decent amount uh, which is really nice to hang out with him and just yeah the whole event is such a wonderful thing so thanks to everybody for helping out Jeff Erickson was a phenomenal auctioneer I mm-hmm. felt so lucky that uh, that he was mine he was good pace to him really just a fantastic flow to Zola for helping out of course too and uh, Ron Chandler and everybody um, really awesome to be a part of it and uh, it's an honor every year Um, and I I hope one day I can say finally fast I have an FSWA you have an FSWA I've won Tout you've won Tout I I still haven't I haven't gone that last one yet I've won the Legacy League I've won you know the the Legacy League you haven't oh yeah then of course you've won an Emmy I've won an Emmy (laughs) (laughs)
1: We'll get uh, there. We'll get Sports there. Sports writer of the year is worth an Emmy. Trust me. Uh, all right. That is going to do it then for episode number 386 of other the Court of the official pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast.
2: And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.